Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. This is Eric Nemchak here alongside Stephen Trinkwald. We hope you're enjoying your WNBA offseason so far. Uh, but Stephen, we have college basketball coming up, and we decided to uh, kind of take a step outside of our comfort zone and, and talk about some upcoming college players we're, we're really interested in watching. Yeah, we wanted to, uh, I specifically, because I'm not too engaged in, in the college game, but I definitely wanted us to come at this with more of a kind of draft perspective here, you know, talking about some of these college players. And some of these, I think, are players that we talked about last season, uh, Howard in particular. I'm not sure how many of the others we might have hit on when we did either our, our preseason show or our college season wrap-up show that we did last year. But I think the place to start here is just you know, these players that are considered to be at the top of the draft, uh, of which I don't think there are too many sure things uh, in terms of lottery picks, but the two, um, I think that are, are pretty sure bets, Ryan Howard and Nilissa Smith, two players considered, I think, for at very least the first and second pick, maybe, you know, vying, uh, Smith vying for that number one spot with Howard. Eric, can you tell us a little bit about kind of each of their games, you know, who they are as players where they kind of stack up maybe amongst you know top prospects in recent drafts uh i think two players that are particularly exciting coming off a pretty weak at the top at least draft uh last season yeah so as you alluded to earlier first things first we are approaching this mainly from a wnba draft perspective neither steven nor myself is as well versed in college basketball as we are in the wnba so we're kind of we're kind of approaching this from a an exploratory lens, if you will. But yeah, so last year, last draft class was not the strongest by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think you're going to have to worry about this. Uh, that this and season. we knew that for a while, I think. Yeah, right? We did. We did. Um, I was I was pretty low on, on last year's draft class. Particularly, one reason is because a lot of these players use their, they got an extra year of eligibility uh, for because of COVID. And while many of those players may not have made the WNBA anyway, it really took away a lot of that draft class's depth. Um, you're not going to have to worry about that this season. This is this is a class that has a considerable amount of depth, mainly because you know one 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 reason because those players are will now be eligible to go to the, the WNBA, or they don't they don't have an extra year of NCAA eligibility again, I should say, but also because there are a couple of, as you like to call them, blue chip prospects in Ryan Howard and Alyssa Smith. So starting off, Ryan Howard. You've probably heard this name a lot if, if you've followed college basketball at all or maybe WNBA basketball talking about bad WNBA teams tanking for Ryan Howard. She is a big wing. She's about six foot two, I'd say, and she can score the heck out of the basketball. I'd say she isn't she's her game is more of that of a like a shifty scorer than an explosive scorer. You mentioned she doesn't have like a ton of lift, but she's very adept at finishing with both hands. She loves that pull-up jump. She's a three-level scorer. Um, she's really good at getting to the rim and really good at using her size to score the basketball, just taking people off the dribble, shrugging off contact, finishing through that contact. And she's also a developing playmaker. She's averaged better than 20 points a game her past two seasons in college. Very high-usage player, but at the same time, not, I would say, I don't think you have to worry about calling her like a chucker. Like she is a, She is a willing playmaker, and that's what really excuse me, that's what really interests me about her as a prospect. You know, she's a wing who can definitely score the basketball at all three levels, but she's also a a, a developing playmaker as well. And then Melissa Smith, she's uh, from Baylor. She's a developing uh, four. I think I'd I'd call her a straight four at this point. Not sure about her her, uh, flexibility, at least on defense, but 
she is just an elite athlete, uh, really long wingspan, jumps out of the gym, uh, gets off the ground very quickly, very easily, explosive player who's really, I think, just scratching the surface of her, of her potential as a skilled forward. Uh, that jump shot is coming around. It's still got a little ways to go, but she's behind Howard, in my opinion, the clear number two prospect in this class. Okay, great. That that's good stuff. And sort of, where where do you kind of see these players uh, topping out as players? Like, can Ryan Howard, for example, like as, as sort of a fully formed player in the WNBA, can she be sort of like the creating reliable offense for herself for her teammates? Uh, is she kind of that number one, or maybe like a high level two in terms of kind of her role within you know a hierarchy of an offense? That's a good question. I think Howard. What what you're seeing from her is, as I say, she's a developing playmaker. Um, her assist to turnover ratio has 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 developed each season, and I think she's a particularly you know Kentucky loves running pick and roll. I think about half of Ryan Howard's offensive possessions, this is from Synergy, came in the pick and roll as a junior. So she's very very comfortable with the ball in her hands, making plays both for herself and others. I think at the WNBA level, though, I think she's going to be more comfortable right away making plays for herself. But this is, like I said, this is what's, what's appealing to me uh, as a prospect for Ryan Howard. She is a big wing who can make plays off the dribble basically for anybody. And, you know, while she's maybe not the most explosive prospect, she's she's a big wing. Like, she's a legit six foot two who can handle and score. So that's that's pretty cool, you know, in And, and she seems to have a, a really plus wingspan as well. Yes, yeah, she's she's a big player. You know, she's 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 the real deal. As as a, I think topping out at the WNBA level, mm, you know, there are so few players I think who are legitimate number one options in the WNBA. I, I'd hesitate to say, yeah, Ryan Howard heading into her senior season is already going to be a is is going to be a number one option in the WNBA. But number two option, I could definitely see it. Like you like this, you you like to use the term secondary playmaker. I definitely think Ryan Howard could be that type of player. And as for Nalissa Smith. That's a little harder for me to judge, um, mainly because defensively, I haven't really seen it yet, at least as far as, you know, like like fundamentals. I, I, feel, I feel like she gets blown by a lot on the perimeter, but she's able to just recover so quickly and make up for it with her athleticism and her wingspan. Like, she'll she'll get beat off the dribble and just, and just reach back and block a shot, you know? So that's something that's still developing. Right now, I kind of classify her as maybe a, maybe like a Maisha, type, a Maisha Hines Allen type of player where she's got a very strong face-up game, will blow by people off the dribble and finish at the rim. But defensively, you know, you're not really sure what she is yet, a four or five. The potential is there for her. So I, I think she has a little bit more lift than Maisha Hines-Allen as well, yeah. just in terms of, like, her vertical explosiveness. Yeah, I, yeah, for sure. I, I'm just saying, like, as, as far as player archetypes are concerned, like, what are they good at? What are they not so good at? Yeah, and for me, Howard definitely seems like the more ready defensive prospect you know definitely not a a perfect defensive player at this point but we saw a lot of uh I I tried to watch a lot of her kind of lower scoring games just to see how she would sort of affect the game in other ways and there were a lot of you know six or seven steal games in there just insane stuff and whether it's just you know guarding straight on the ball or, or kind of jumping the passing lanes her wingspan in her hands really gave I think opposing offenses trouble and then she was really impressive turning uh, defense into offense whether for herself or others so I liked her feel as a transition player as well as what she was able to do as a defensive playmaker the other thing that I really liked about Howard was her jump shot versatility and kind of what they did with Howard kind of in the the limited possessions that she was not handling the ball for this team running her off like elevators or uh, pin downs and stuff like that so really getting her jump shots in ways that showed 
you know, that she's not just kind of like, you know, a, a stationary catch and shoot player with the ball in her hands as a shooter, I should say. I, I think the one thing I don't really have a good feel on is how she'll translate as a finisher in the half court. She's definitely comfortable finishing with both hands, like you said. I don't know how, how much dribble juice she has with the left hand, but she can finish lefty for sure. But she's very reliant on dribble jumpers, kind of non-paint twos, even in her like really high scoring games in, in terms of like scoring inside the arc. But is that because she's constantly facing three defenders in the paint or because, you know, she doesn't have a ton of lift, maybe is a little bit more comfortable as a two foot leaper than as a one foot leaper, uh, which for a wing, when you're attacking the basket, you definitely want to be able to kind of explode off one foot rather than, you know, having to stop on two. So a, a lot to like with sort of that one question that I would have in terms of like, how is she able to kind of of, you know, finish at the cup when she gets there in the half court? That's a fair question. Um, and like I said, she's definitely more of a shifty player than an explosive player. She's she's not like a like a Kalia Copper, you know, who's just going to explode to the rim with at, at a moment's notice. But I think skill-wise, you know, off the dribble, like you said, her dribble jumper is, is pure. Um, and maybe like her shot diet can kind of get a little bit better as far as dribble jumpers and, and non-paint twos, as you like to say. But that's also, I think that's also like a, systematic thing for college you see a lot of these players in college have poor shot diets if you want to call it that and that's a good point that you also brought up like there are there's almost always somebody in the paint waiting to meet ryan howard off the dribble and she still gets there she still finishes for the most part so that's to me that that that's a very telling factor like she's already you know having no problem finishing through contact at the, at the college level but like you said whether or not she'll be able to do that right away at the WNBA level I think the scoring like I said I think the scoring will come first as a pro and then she'll become more comfortable as a playmaker I don't think I don't think whoever drafts her is going to take the take the Jackie Young approach and say okay you're a big wing but you're going to be playing point guard for us I don't think that would serve Ryan Howard very well and for uh Nelissa Smith and again my very limited opportunity to evaluate her as a player like I, I don't think the finishing around the rim is really going to be much of a question at all because yeah. she she has a really strong right I think maybe a little bit more kind of strong hand dominant than Howard um, but she is such a vertical player she uh, much more comfortable as a one foot leaper which you know in terms of non-centers I think is a little bit more important than you know a center can kind of get away with maybe being a little bit more reliant on jumping off two feet uh she has some nice moves like a nice spin move in the post you know we'll, we'll get to this a little bit later maybe her handles is a little bit uh, of a thing i, I want to see kind of tightened up over this senior season um how, how are you feeling about her her jump shot overall it's developing she's definitely more comfortable taking long twos than she is three-pointers it seemed like last year it was it was a cause for celebration whenever Melissa Smith would take a three pointer. Granted, Baylor did not like their three pointers. <laughs> I know you you watched the game their their tournament game against Michigan that that crazy game. Um, you, you sent me a text with a, a photo of like them running a, a four and one out offense. You know that's and that that's that's where this gets kind of annoying evaluating prospects. But I, I think she has a good enough form and, and she has, has kind of like an idea like. You need to develop this three-point shot. She's extended her range during her collegiate career, so I don't think there's reason to believe she's going to stop doing that, particularly this season. That is going to be one thing I'm watching for, though. Can she have a legitimate three-point shot heading into the draft? Because, I mean, let's face it, a four with a three-point shot is more valuable than a four with a, a long two-point shot. Who else are you kind of looking at in terms of potential lottery picks? And is there anyone sort of in the running that that really has kind of like star upside that could get to this same caliber player as these two? Or are we just really kind of hoping for like solid starter once you get to even pick number three here? 
Uh, I think solid starter is a more realis- realistic expectation for the rest of these players. Um, I really like Shakira Austin's potential. She's the center for Ole Miss. She's a legit six foot five. She's got developing ball skills. She really likes to take players off the dribble. Um, and she's got she's got this really nice stop and pop game. Granted, I'm not sure how much range she has or if that's a good shot for her. I really prefer her just taking it off the dribble and taking it all the way to the rim because she's, in most cases, going to beat similar-sized players off the dribble and get all the way to the rim and finish. So taking it, so stopping and, and, and popping and taking like a 17-foot jumper isn't, isn't really going to be an efficient shot for her. But she's got, I think, a lot of potential as far as a face-up or post-up player. Like She's, she's going to be able to do both at the pro level, um, mainly because she's got that that nice handle uh, and that explosive first step she's not she's not gonna be candace parker out there but i think if you're looking for a wnba comp she should be studying john Quill jones extensively she's not going to have the same professional impact as john Quill jones does I, I don't see her as ever being an mvp caliber type of player but as far as a a lanky well i shouldn't say lanky she is pretty strong but as far as a, a long center who can handle the ball and likes to take players off the dribble from the three-point line and who also has a developing like pull-up jump shot off the dribble. There are some similarities there. Now, granted, it, this is an interesting case because she went, she actually transferred from a very strong program in Maryland to a not so strong program in Ole Miss. So, so, of course, she had the statistics at Ole Miss because she was the player. She was the alpha player there. Whereas in Maryland, she was you know just a freshman. So that's an interesting uh, a prospect because you know she's not going to be. In, in this really strong program. So you're not going to be having a lot of uh, Shakira Austin on national TV, if you will. You might not even see her in the NCAA tournament again. But she's got a ways to go as far as feel for the game, but the potential is there. I think she's just oozing with offensive potential. And then the other player I have my eye on is Kristen Williams from UConn. And the the reason for this is kind of the opposite. Because I feel like Kristen Williams is just a really solid two-way player. Maybe doesn't have star potential, but you know what you're getting out of her. Um defensively she's got that low center of gravity and she can move her feet really well i think she's probably uconn's best perimeter defender at the moment and offensively maybe not super explosive but she gets the rim she's she's got a strong upper body and she's a decent spot up player you know i I feel like her game doesn't have many weaknesses but if you're looking at if you're looking at her from a draft perspective not really having any standout strengths maybe uh, aside from being a defender could also be a hindrance as well like she's maybe not that high ceiling of a player so i feel like you know you factor in the UConn pedigree and the all-around Swiss Army knife type of contributor. Maybe she gets a look as a lottery pick, but that's speaking of speaking as a looking at, the, at this right now. You know what I'm saying? So maybe down the line, there could be definitely some players who overtake Kristen Williams. And Williams is a, a player that I've had a chance to see a little bit, and she was pretty good last year. You know, 56% true shooting, 34% from behind the line. You know that that's something that I wonder how much the shot is going to translate because she's you know, a a career 34% shooter, I should say, 72% from the free throw line, 69% last year from the line. So the shooting resume, like it it looks pretty decent. It it doesn't look like it's a shot that you're like, how is that going in or anything like that? But it just doesn't go in that much uh, in terms of how you're looking at, you know, the the free throw shooting is not really suggesting that this is really a career, you know, 35, 36% shooter. So want to see some improvement there and and a little bit more consistency and kind of how that shot will continue to develop. I think, you know, this is definitely a player I like a lot more than like an Avina Westbrook from UConn uh, as a pro. You know, she has things that I think she can at least 
do really well at the WNBA level, defend, like you said. She has nice strength for her size. Like She's able to just get her shoulder into kind of whoever's uh, guarding her for the most part, at least at this level. Uh, you know, we'll see how much it translates. Um, but Williams, to me, is a player where, like, if this is, like, the third or, or fourth best player in the class, like, I- I'm not really excited for that pick. Okay, and that's fair. And that's why I said, like, this is we're just looking at this right now. We still have a, an entire season of college basketball to be played, and we still have a lot of players who are looking to assert themselves as as far as lottery picks are concerned. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if Kristen Williams slips to like sixth through eighth type of range. I do think she is going to be a first round pick though. Let's kind of focus on some of the the bigs in this draft class. Who do you see as draft eligible bigs, players that, that are going to be in consideration to get taken somewhere in this draft as really being able to kind of contribute on the perimeter on both ends? Who is a little bit more kind of traditional paint bound? You know, you don't really want them sort of guarding in space or they're strictly a paint scorer so that's that's a good question because you know whenever you look at bigs it's how are they going to contribute at the next level right away and there are several different archetypes i think we've identified in this draft class one of the more talked about bigs would be Alyssa kunane from nc state and i can i can see why you know she's she's fairly skilled at six foot five and she has been putting up strong statistics on a good program so you've got most of the the macro level draft prospect stuff there but i think she's going to be a paint bound player in the wnba i think she just doesn't have the quicks uh, on, on both ends or uh defensively you're saying on defense yeah i'm sorry on offense i think she's well actually on both ends i think a good uh wma player to study for kunane would be stephanie dolson because you know coming into uh her respective draft stephanie dolson you know there, there's a lot to there's a lot of questions about is her conditioning up to par can she play defense at the wnba level some of which questions are still asked of her today, but she has carved out a legitimate role in the WNBA because she's extended her range to the three-point line, and she's basically played, whenever she's on the floor, she's played a a pretty conservative pick-and-roll coverage, unless you're talking about the the WNBA playoffs in 2021 where she kind of expanded her role a little bit. But I think I think Kunain, you know, she doesn't have the quicks. Uh, she doesn't have the lateral movement to uh, play any anything other than a consistent drop coverage. And offensively, she's got a... She's got a nice jump shot, at least mid-range jumper. Sometimes she extends it out to the three-point line, but not consistently. So that's obviously going to be something I need to see her do because defensively, I don't think I just don't think she's going to be much of a playmaker on that end. I do think she'll execute your scheme okay. You know, I, I was watching a game where obviously the pick and roll coverage was for Kunain to really hug up on the screener. Uh, to allow the guard to be able to get up under and recover. And, you know, she she was pretty disciplined in kind of executing that scheme. But in the film that I watched, she just like never, ever, and she had like good block numbers, you know, 95th percentile in total blocks. But that has to be just from defending other post-ups because she just never came over and helped defense at all. Right. And, you know, even kind of running in a, a, a straight line drive, you know, you could tell she's just, she's not a very fleet of foot player. You, you talked about the three-point range uh, a little bit, you know, she she has a pretty low three-point attempt rate, but you, she is, you know, taking them more and more each season. But I think two kind of positive indicators in that regard, at least for Kunain, is that one, she's a really, really plus free throw shooter, improving year over year up to the mid 80s uh, last season in terms of percentage. And she'll stand out there at least, you know, if nothing else, uh, she's standing out there. And at least at the college level, she's being guarded out there. So that is a value in itself, even if she's not, you know, an elite three point shooter, if she continues to be guarded. And of course, you know, this is college where she's, you know, the alpha and the omega on her team, maybe that just doesn't translate to the next level if she's not, you know, 37% shooter here. 
Also paint bound centers, I think uh, Jenna Stady from Georgia, crazy good shot blocker. She's actually really, really good at staying vertical and, and just affecting shots. She's another legit like six foot five player. Really, really good at, at affecting shots and, and, and blocking shots. But again, foot speed, not too sold on it. And you know, that's fine. Not not every player can be uh, can be like Candace Parker out there as far as moving their feet and playing different pick and roll coverages. So this is just how I see it. And then Nas Hillman, another player who is, I think, getting a lot of attention because she scores like crazy. <laughs> she actually had a 50-point game last season for Michigan. She is, I think, definitely a paint bomb player because she uses her, her she uses her body her strength her lower body strength to affect games rather than explosiveness she's not a very high leaper she's more of a i see more of a brianna jones type of player uh, in that she's a very she's got a very strong base and she's got good hands very fundamentally sound with her back to the basket but not going to affect the game too much shot blocking only 24 total stocks last season so we like to say stocks that steals plus block shots i don't envision nas hillman being a playmaker on defense at the WNBA level because she's not at the college level right so put her in the paint any any comments about that not too much I do like Hillman as an offensive player I, I don't really know kind of what she's going to be at the next level I was kind of asking around on, on what some other people think and um, some not too flattering names were, were being thrown out there in terms of like you know, Stephanie Mavunga or, oh, Megan Gustafson, like a, a Ruthie Hebert. I, I think there are, you know, kind of different games in terms of what they're good at than Hebert, but just in terms of kind of being offensively focused, you know, really effective in the offensive role that they're playing, but, you know, isn't really going to give you much defensively. Any thoughts on any of those player comps? That's interesting for Hillman because... I thought that Gustafson specifically was maybe the, the closest one in terms of, again, the limited film that I saw. Okay. Yeah, perhaps. Because Gustafson, if you think about it, she's a just a really skilled back-to-the-basket player who hits the glass like crazy and defensively is there. Uh, but maybe the Brianna Jones one was just a little lazy because, you know, they're, uh, they both played in the Big Ten. And, and, and Jones, to her credit, has really turned into an effective defensive player at the next level. I'm not sure if I could see Hillman doing that, but, you know, stranger things have happened. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you for the most part on that. Hillman, it's, it's the main question is, is going to be like, right now at the college level, she's affecting so much of the game through post-ups and just being five feet from the basket, basically on both ends of the floor. So how does that translate to the WNBA when there are people who are just bigger than her, you know? So that's, that's the eternal question there. Um, so how about defending in space? Anybody from this class that you kind of really like as uh, a little bit more of sort of modern defensive player? So I really like Lorella Kubai from Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech. She defends everywhere. She is a super active defender. She rebounds outside of her area, which I think is uh, is a really good indicator of what kind of what she'll be able to do at the next level. Because if they've already got that activity level and that that basically freedom to operate outside of her zone, that's not only a testament to uh, her rebounding and her her activity level and her athleticism, but also it's it's the trust of her coaching staff to say, okay, instead of you know, instead of just getting, instead of just making a beeline and transition, we're going to trust you to go after this rebound and, and make the right play and, and, and make the right, uh, the correct call on that. She's just super duper active. And that's maybe some very surface level analysis. But when you're comparing her to all these other bigs who will talk about, uh, we don't know how, how effective they're going to be defending the pick and roll outside of the paints, how they're going to affect the game. Kubai is a player who I think can come in and make a, an immediate impact in the WNBA just because she's got that motor and she's got the ability to move all around the court in a very smooth way. 
Um, offensively, I don't think she's as polished around the basket as, as someone like Kunain or Hillman, but she's also got a three-point shot. It's maybe not the best three-point shot, but she'll at least take him from out there. So she, she, Kubai, she's a very interesting player to me. Like she's got, she does a lot of things decently offensively, but maybe nothing very, very, very well. Kind of like a jack of all trades, master of none type of big on the offensive end, and defensively, like I said, I just really love her activity and her lateral movement. It's it's day and night compared to somebody like uh, Kunin and Hillman. Yeah, quickly, twenty two percent career three point shooter. Uh, I, I think she was sub 20% last year and hasn't cracked 60% from the line. So I think there's reason to have a lot of skepticism with her shot, but the, uh, the, the defense is certainly intriguing there. And then there are a bunch of other players who I like, I'm not really sure about yet. We talked about Smith. Like we think we, she we wouldn't be surprised if she can be a impact defender at the WNBA level, but you know, some things need to clean up there. Jessica Carter from Mississippi States gets name dropped as a, as an, as a, really solid post prospect. I haven't seen it yet, to be honest with you. And Mississippi State, a team there's some there's some havoc going on there right now. So a lot needs to be uh a lot needs to be changed there, frankly, both on and off the court. Olivia Nelson Odota from UConn. I mean, I think she's gonna be a defensive impact player because she's certainly not an offensively uh she's kind of offensively challenged, we'll put it that way. Very poor free throw shooter. She's got like do, a do you think she's like a, a sure thing WNBA player? Honestly, no. You know, the, the thing that comes to mind when I see her is is Kia Stokes. Again, maybe a little bit of a lazy name drop there because they both went to UConn and they both really didn't make much of an offensive impact. But Stokes, when she came into the WNBA, she was already an elite defensive player, which is one of the few times I've ever seen that. I'm not sure. I think that's that's a very high bar. You know, that's, that's a very high expectation, even for a player with that UConn pedigree, as, as I like to say. So Nelson Dodo, I'm not really high on right now. And then Austin, Shakira Austin, eh, like she's another player who I think gets beat off the dribble fairly frequently, but to her credit, one, she is able to recover. Will she be able to do that against WNBA guards? I don't know. But two, Auburn never, or I'm sorry, not Auburn, uh, Ole Miss, they never really seemed that concerned about leaving her out there on an island for whatever reason. Like there is either always a, a help defender ready to come over, but not like, not like really shading over. Or they just like left her out there on an island against the guard and entrusted her to move her feet and affect the shot with her length. And then one last name I have is Maya Hollingshed from Colorado. She's an interesting player, but I'm not really sure what her position is. Like she's she's maybe six two, six foot three, and she plays the post for them. But it's like she's one of those 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 front those bigs who kind of plays operates more like a small forward. So I'm not sure if she's going to be able to make that type of impact at the pro level at least on defense. So. There you go. And th- those are the bigs that I just have written down right now. I mean, there are a lot of bigs in this class who I'm, I still have absolutely no idea. Like I said, we still have a full year of college basketball ahead of us. So interesting thing to monitor moving forward. Are there, you know, you, you mentioned that we have a, a full year of college basketball ahead of us. That's why we're doing the show, obviously. What are kind of some areas that you want to see like, specific players, you know, develop their games in kind of, uh, you know, as, as they're sort of making their best case uh, for the WNBA draft? So I've got a few. Um, we already talked about Kunain in the three-point shot because, I mean, I don't think I don't think it's it's realistic to say, hey, get faster, you know, get more lateral movement. Three-point shot is something she can work on and something that will, you know, determine her offensive impact at the pro level. Uh, as far as Christian Williams, I mean, I think the free throw rate, you know, drawing fouls is a skill, and she's the type of player who, I mean, she's got that strong upper body. She gets to the cup fairly, you know, fairly frequently, but... 
her career best free throw rate is is just thirteen point four percent, and I, I find that I find that interesting. Um, is there anything that you notice, like just kind of about that element of her game? Because I mean, you have here sixty five and a half percent at the rim. She is you know very strong, can get her shoulder into other players. Anything that you've noticed that might be kind of indicating why she doesn't get more falls? No, well. Mm, Part of it is I think the game was just called differently. <laughs> and maybe that's that's kind of lazy analysis right there, but I, I think it is true. But, I mean, maybe it's that she just... She absorbs contact rather than draws it. Is, is, does that make sense? Sure. So so maybe even some of those same plays will get called at the next level. Yeah, um... I, I do think so. I do think so. But um, now there's a guard from South Carolina, point guard, Destiny Henderson. This is an interesting player for me because she's got two things going for her that I think are really important for a WNBA caliber point guard. One that is uh, pace of play. She's really quick. Um, 39% of her plays came in transition last season. That's really, really good. And she's also a very good uh, catch-and-shoot player. Like, you can't sag off of her. She She's in the 99th percentile per synergy as a spot-up player. So she's got two things going for her. However, I feel like you know her speed is sometimes to her detriment because sometimes the decision-making just isn't there. Like, the, the feel for the game, I, I think... She's still a little rougher on the edges as a as a well-rounded point guard. You know, a lot of people, you know, will look at her and say, "Well, she's the heir to Taisha Harris, who at South Carolina was just their their do-all point guard and kind of turned into maybe a like a game manager at the pro level. Does a little bit of everything, but not a ton of any one thing. Whereas Destiny Henderson is much more dynamic. Um, like I said, she's she's dynamite in the open floor. She will get she will turn like normal opportunities into normal half court opportunities into transition opportunities with her speed and her handle. But it's like, uh, I don't know, Steven, you have a couple notes on this. Like, what am I trying to say here? Well, I just, I don't think she has like, she, she's very fast, like you said, and she's very explosive in transition and she's a fast, you know, straight line driver, but she just, to me, just doesn't have a ton of shake kind of off the bounce in terms of, you know, her crossover or change of direction or something like that. Like just getting by people? Yeah, exactly. Or just, you know, if they're playing hard on your right hand, do you, do you have the crossover to just kind of go back left and, and you know, you know, literally shake your defender? I, I think that element is something that I kind of would like to see uh, from Henderson. Okay, yeah, that's that, that's that's very true. And I think what I was trying to say was, you know, there are a lot of times in South Carolina games against good half court defenses when their offense just kind of got bogged down because their 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 guards weren't making the right decisions. They weren't making crisp decisions with the basketball. They would they would settle for a lot of pull up two point jump shots or something when they're when Aaliyah Boston, who's their center, who's amazing, um, would you know should have should have gotten the basketball basically so i think destiny henderson she is a wnba caliber athlete um but i need to, i just need to see i think the game i could see the game being too fast for her at the wnba level right now so i, I got to see just the overall feel for the game improve we already talked about ryan howard a little yeah, bit pr- probably topping out as like maybe a a backup point card for henderson right? okay yeah yeah i would i would i would say so um we already talked about ryan howard with the uh the non-paint twos and the thing about that is, like, she's a legitimately good shooter. She was in the 92nd percentile on catch and shoot. Uh, 43% of her shots were, were dribble jumpers, though, as a junior. And that's just... Mm, it's a high figure. It's a high figure. It's a high figure. Uh, granted, again, like, is that is that just college basketball? Like, I could see her turning those dribble jumpers into dribble three-point jumpers and, you know, just being unguardable at the pro level. But, like we said, something to work on. Um... Melissa Smith, again, we talked about the three-point shot. And just the overall catching and shooting for her. You know, 
her driving game, her face-up game is already so, like, she's already so explosive off the dribble with that first step. If she's able to extend her range out to the three-point line, even if she's not, like, taking them, just, what's that we always say, just be guarded out there. Or just make players come out that extra foot or that extra step or two. Because she will be able to get by people no matter what. Uh, but just making it easier on herself, being able to extend that out. And, you know, easier on her team as well. What's that, what's that phrase, fake spacing? I see that in NBA circles sometimes. You know, like, there will be people behind the three-point line, but the defense is just like... Yeah, you're, you're yeah, standing out there, but are you being guarded out there? Exactly. So, Nelissa Smith needs to get guarded out there. Um, and then Nod Selman, basically just literally anything that will separate her from any other prospects who are relying on their strength and skill, or strength and uh, size, rather. She does have the skill around the basket, to be clear. Like, she's got really good footwork, and she's got really good finishing ability. But again, like defensively, can she improve to the point where she's not just standing under the basket, you know, uh, defending post up? Like, can she move her feet? Can she make plays on defense? Can she extend her range outside of the paint? To be fair, just just to put it out there, she did make two three pointers in her opening game for Michigan, but they were wide, 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 wide open. Clearly, the defense doesn't care, and I think you'll continue to see the defense not care about Nas Hellman three-pointers. So I'm, I'm very open about her. I'm, I'm very open to seeing like anything, a three-point shot, um, better lateral move, like, like quicker hands, like being more aggressive on defense, just anything to make, to, to make her stand out from the pack of just physically imposing post players, basically. So let's just sort of, I guess, talk about the overall depth of this draft in terms of, you know, position by position from either kind of like a star potential or even just, you know, reliable, rotation players what, what do you kind of see like the guards big wings you know wh- where's the depth coming from in this class it seems like it's usually coming from the big spot but uh. yes and i would once again agree with that uh i'm not sure how many star bigs there are in this class I mean, actually i'm not sure how many stars period there are in this class um although i once again i think this class is much stronger than last year's but that's just because it has more uh, rotation caliber players rather than you know star players beyond smith and you've got Austin, you've got Kunane, you've got Kubai. Queen Egbo from Baylor is another name. I, I'm not sure if she's really done her, done enough to set herself apart from... I, I don't really see her as you a WNBA so? player. Not yet? Okay, all right. So we'll we'll, we'll punt on Egbo for now. Nelson Dodota, I doubt it. But Hillman, interesting name. Uh, Jessica Carter, if she can get it together uh, for Mississippi State, is, is a name that I think will at least get drafted. Kate Reese is an interesting name from Arizona. She's... I think I think farther along defensively than offensively right now, but she's got the tools to um, develop offensively. I think as like maybe a maybe like a pick and pop type of big. She's one to watch for actually because um, Arizona. You thought last year like Ari McDonald was so much of their offense. Um, how is Kate Reese going to function without that ball dominant combo guard? Basically, uh, Maya Hollingshed from Colorado again. Is she a three? Is she a four? That's one to, to watch, um, and then. Here's a wild card for it. Uh, Dorka Juhas from UConn. Transferred over from Ohio State. I'm not sure she's the most disciplined player because that's something that Ohio State prospects tend to struggle with. But she's got a lot of skill. She's six foot four. She's a great offensive rebounder. She has the touch around the basket and the touch away from the basket. She has a legitimate three-point shot. Now, is she going to fall in love with a three-point shot? That's a question I have about her. And can she play disciplined defense? But she's a player, I think, if you look at UConn, like Nelson Adota is is a player who can who can get in Gino, Gino Ariama's doghouse, 
Juhas, uh, or Juhas rather, a player who I could also see getting in Gino Ariyama's doghouse. So who's going to win the minutes there? So that's that's an interesting player to watch. But they've all got like a decent amount of, of strengths to their name. You've got players who can defend. You've got bigs who can defend. You've got bigs who can shoot. You've got bigs who can post up. So it's all about, I think, if there's a team in like the late first round, early second round, who really needs a big, and they're looking at like how, like what, what type of big do we need? Like, what kind of big are we looking for as far as, you know, what's their what's their biggest strength? There are going to be options there. And then wings, I think, are, are more of a weaker position in this draft because after Howard, it's, I mean, gosh, you already went over the, the concerns about Williams. Um, a couple names in here, like Ashley Jones from Iowa State, Ray Burrell from Tennessee, maybe. Um, developing. Let's talk about those two players. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. What, what do you think about Jones? Uh Burrell is a player I've seen a little bit less of, um, so we can, I guess, start with Jones. How, how are you kind of feeling with her game? Uh, that's It's interesting because I think Ashley Jones, she's a big wing. She's six foot zero. I, I'm going to be using that, that term a ton on this podcast, so I apologize. Um, Do you she's think she's a like wing? Because I, I see her as a wing. Like I think she's definitely playing the three at the next level. Some other people I talk to seem like she's, you know, they, they're kind of feeling her more as a four. What do you think? Oh, four? I mean, maybe. I mean, that, that that that's a possibility. Um, she's definitely not a guard, and and that's something like in in my notes. I I, I had her from last year as a guard. I'm not sure why that was kind of stupid. Um, she only had 6.2 percent of her possessions as a pick and roll ball handler last year, and her assist to turnover ratio was in the negatives every year. Or not not negatives. I mean, it was below one every year. So I don't think she's a guard. But as a wing, I mean, she's got like a, this two level scoring game. She almost never takes mid range jumpers. I think part of that is coaching. Like Iowa State loves 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 to shoot three pointers. And she's an she's an adept three point shooter, but where she really is where she really shines is in the paint and around the rim. Like you look at her, she's got a thirty three point five percent usage as a junior, and over a quarter of those a quarter of her points came on free throws. She gets to the free throw line a ton. Most of her possessions, I mean, she, most of her possessions eighty second percentile in the country in free throw attempt rate per her hoop stats. Yeah, so she's she gets to the line, and and she she's a player who draws fouls. You know, we we like to. Make the make the um the distinction between as you like to say foul seeking behavior and just drawing fouls. Ashley Jones draws fouls. Uh, she doesn't really have like I said she doesn't really have much of a pick and roll handler type of game, but she can post up and she they Iowa State likes to use her as a cutter as well and she hit the offensive glass fairly frequently. So that in my opinion that's what's more telling, that's more indicative of a player who's going to be used more of a play finisher as a playmaker. Let me uh, chime in on Jones here. I think some it. of that stuff that you're talking about, you know, that that in the paint stuff, like that is what I kind of really don't have a lot of confidence in at the next level. Like she's not getting, you for know. For her specifically or just in general? For her specifically. Like I don't think okay. she's going to be able to score efficiently with 15% of her possessions coming from the post. You know, she's, I, I just, I don't think she's going to have the strength uh, or the athleticism for that, you know, I think her game will be a little bit more kind of three-point and dribble penetrating oriented, more so than kind of her, you know, meandering type, you know, one pivot, two pivot, three pivot, kind of finally put it up. Like, I just don't think that stuff is really going to fly at the next level, but I do really like her as a wing in terms of her her three-point shot. You know, only 35% from three, but on some pretty difficult attempts, 84% shooting from the line. She has a pretty versatile jump shot i would say so I, I like her kind of as a, a true wing you know if she can hang laterally which i think is a little bit of a, a question and you know this is a mm-hmm. team that ran a, a ton of zone so i wasn't all that impressed with kind of like the back to the basket and that type of finishing uh what, what do you think about that do you think i'm kind of out of line 
No, I totally agree with you. And that's that's the thing. It's if you look at the athleticism, that's one thing. I mean, she's not a great defender. And like you said, Iowa State ran a lot of zone. So defense, I think, is going to be an uphill battle for Jones at the next level. So it's like how much of that how much of that free throw uh, free throw shooting and how much of that that posting up is just because she's bigger and stronger rather than jumps higher and it is like is like is quicker than anybody than everyone else at that level so you're right that is something to, to keep an eye on for sure and then ray burrell from tennessee this is interesting because it's like there are some parallels there but other ways but in other areas they're like totally different so what do you have on burrell because i know you, i know you watched her a little bit as well i, I don't have much because i only really i think saw the one game that tennessee played kentucky uh, but I mean, statistically, you know, it looks pretty good. 55% true shooting, 40% from three, uh, up about 30 more attempts than her junior season, you know, 80% from the line. I really like her kind of balance off her dribble game. You know, I saw a couple of really nice hop steps through, you know, double teams to, to beat Howard. Burrell was able to get some pretty good looks against Howard. The two point jumpers. I mean, I, I don't know, like wh- what is her shot diet going to look like at the next level? Yeah, I agree. And that's, that's once again, you know, is that how much of that is coaching? How much of that is, you know, just players not extending their range yet? Burrell, I, and, I think, and, and, you know, their teammates not extending their range to the point of, you know, right. we, we can sag three players in the paint defensively because there's just not a lot of kind of collective shooting on these college rosters. You know what one player who I think is a great example of that is Ariel Atkins. Because Texas uh, did not have, like, the strongest half-court offense. And there was just a lot of just, like, lobbing the ball around from side to side just – waiting for somebody to get open in the post, basically. And then she comes in the WNBA, and she's straight flames from the three-point line. It's like, wow, you know, I, I knew she was a good shooter, but not this good. So that's that's a great point. And you also made a good point regarding Burrell, um, regarding her her uh, her dribble jumper. It looks really smooth, Stephen. And, you know, a lot of players, we look at these these jump shot forms, and it's like, well, this needs to be tweaked. This doesn't look great. Jumpers off the dribble or, or, or jumpers uh, inside the three-point line, it looks really nice for her. She's got a really smooth stroke. Uh, but again... Can she kind of extend that out? Looking at her shot diet, it's like she doesn't get to the line a ton, but she doesn't shoot a ton of three-pointers either. So I think this season is going to be like another one of at least middling efficiency. But if you look at just how she plays, is she going to be able to operate in more space of the WNBA? Because again, another big wing. I think she's like six feet, six foot one, something like that. She's in the 96th percentile as a catch and shoot player. So she's got that going for her. And I think the one thing that I that you know I needs that needs to improve again another player whose assist to turnover ratio is is below one and actually she was only in the thirty seventh percentile as a transition player which is concerning but as just a catch and shoot player I think she's she's been pretty good uh, developing that skill so again can she make plays out of the pick and roll twenty point one percent of her plays as a junior came as a pick and roll ball handler so I think she's got more of that in her game than Jones does. So right now I'd say maybe she's more of a well-rounded prospect at least. I don't know. I think she is a player who could really jump up the boards this season. Uh, should we talk about players who are not eligible for this upcoming draft but are really you know going to be players that we talk about either next year or the the season after that in terms of kind of real blue chip, you know, sure thing WNBA players? Okay, so first of all, there are a couple of players you might have heard of. Paige Beckers from UConn, Caitlin Clark from Iowa. Already two of the best players in the country as as uh, as freshmen. Both guards, both uh, excel in different areas, but both just incredible players. I mean, you you can tell right away they're going to be stars at the next level. Um, and that and that budding rivalry, both on and off the court, and, and on social media. You know, it's it's interesting. Like, I feel like it's on social media, like women's basketball fans kind of put pit them against each other all the time. When in the real life, in the real world, they're like 
buds. They're like friends. They both played for USA Basketball together, but I digress. A couple of players from Maryland uh, would be Diamond Miller. And well, Ashley let me was... let me just ask you one question about the, okay, yeah, go the guards, uh, Beckers and Clark. Do you have a, a preference right now? Like, who do you think you see as kind of um, a better player at the next level? Or, or do you think, it, you know, it's kind of too early to tell? I prefer Clark right now. I prefer Clark, mainly because you need to pick her up at half court. Or if she's going to drain a three-pointer for the logo, like that's that's basically it. I mean, Becker, like this is, and this is no insult to Becker's at all, because you know, in this in this particular comparison, people can get um, people can get a little defensive. Ahead of themselves. Yeah, defensive. Yeah, that's, that's a good word for it. Um, because Becker's is is already an incredible uh point guard and, and, and game manager in in ways that you know Clark may not be. Clark, I think, is more of a pure scorer than than Becker's, whereas Becker's is is just has the better floor game. But I mean, Clark. Uh, I mean, Clark just I, I really shoots the easiest seen. ball incredible dude like you know i don't want to i don't want to put too much in this but like she does remind me a lot of diana tarazi in that she will pull from anywhere and she will drain from anywhere if you're not right up in her grill and if you if you do get right up in her grill she's just going to go past you and and make a dump off pass to the whoever's in the dunker spot like she's her game is is so far ahead of basically where anyone else at, at, at her age and, and a lot of people older than her too like she's just just an incredible incredible offensive player um but beckers is too like 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 again it's it's i think about more about what you prefer in a guard beckers is more of i think of uh, a distributor uh she she knows when she's still kind of figuring out i think when to take over versus you know when to set up her teammates but at uconn when you have so many so many highly recruited players and and, and you're playing in a, in a system that's not that, that that's more egalitarian if you will like iowa is all caitlin clark plus shooters and, and and plus plus one post player who's really good at finishing and in Monica's Cesano Beckers is more of a you know she plays within the UConn system if you will so she's still kind of learning to balance that out but you know point guard is it's a tough position to play especially when you're thinking about WNBA prospects no one is really a, an elite WNBA point guard in her first season so looking looking that far ahead I mean it's still too early to tell right now I think I prefer Caitlin Clark all right, we can we can move on to some of these other players you have on your list here. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, so Diamond Miller and Ashley Wusu are two players from Maryland who I think are pretty interesting. Miller, a long wing player who's just got a ton of quicks and a ton of hops. Really, I think the sky's the limit for her. And Wusu, an, an interesting player. She's um got a very large build, but she's got the the passing ability and the floor vision of a point guard. Does that remind you of anybody? I was thinking, I was thinking Chelsea Gray. Ousu is a point guard. She, she, like I said, she's got the big body. She's got the court vision. Um, she will overpower people heading to the rim. So Chelsea Gray, like again, that's a pretty lofty comparison. I don't know if Ousu is going to reach that level, but at the collegiate level, I mean, she's got the this the skills of a Chelsea Gray type of player. South Carolina, a program on the rise once again. Uh, Aaliyah Boston, like I said, if there if she's not the best player in the country, I think she's a close second. Because she is just an incredibly good defensive player. I mean, she's she protects the rim. She defends the pick and roll. She defends without fouling. She is great on the defensive glass. She's literally everything you want in, in a defensive post player. She's a pipe dream. So she's she's incredible. And then maybe Zaya Cook as well. I think her game is still a little rougher on the edges. But if you call her a WNBA prospect, I wouldn't argue with you. She's, she's uh, Destiny Henderson's backcourt partner. I mean, she seems like a better prospect to me than Henderson. But... Okay, okay. All right, that, that, that's fair. Haley Jones from Stanford is a player who, you know, coming off their title run. Stanford is interesting because they play extremely egalitarian. Like, I don't think there's been a player since the Ogumake days at Stanford, which is like 2011 to 2013, where you would um, where you'd say, okay, this is this is the player who Stanford is going to use, use very, very much, you know, high usage player. 
Haley Jones is a player. She's a guard, a big guard who is basically unstoppable. She's got an interesting game. You, you've watched her play, right? She's got. She's not really going to shoot the three pointer, but inside the, the perimeter, she just shrugs off contact. Like she wants contact, because she's going to just get defenders on her shoulder and hit her in her hip and just finish at the rim. I mean, I was surprised to learn that she doesn't really take the three pointer because you know I didn't watch any of her regular season games, but in in the tournament, I think she hit more and took more regular uh, took more threes than she did over the course of like the regular season and conference play and stuff like that. And, you know, it looks perfectly fine. I think, uh, you know, maybe a little bit out in front of her body, but definitely a shot that it looks like she can hit with some reliability. Yeah. And she's again, a very interesting archetype because how many, how many players at the WNBA level, how many guards at the WNBA level have success just without a three point shot? You know what I'm saying? But at the collegiate level, I mean, she's just undeniably outstanding. So We'll see what happens there. But again, underclassmen, very early to tell. There is another Sabali. Well, anyone else from Stanford that you wanted to talk about? Because they have some other players that you'll see, you know, on draft boards, whether it be this year or, or next year. Um, not at the moment. Maybe Fran Belibi. Uh, she she made the rounds when she first, uh, or she made the rounds on social media when she first came to Stanford because she dunks very easily. I mean, incredible athlete. But I think her skills are, are still very far behind, um, at least her ball skills and her shooting are pretty far behind to call her a WNBA prospect at this point in the game. So not, um, not too high on Cameron Brink. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, and, and that's, I, I forgot about her in my notes as well. So Cameron Brink. Yes, I am high on Cameron Brink. Um, I think she needs to add at least like 10 pounds of muscle though. I mean, you watch her play. She's very, very slight of build. The skills are, are already there. I mean, particularly in, in protecting the rim and playing with verticality, like she, how many how many volleyball blocks did she get already as a freshman? I mean, very very advanced as as a defensive player. As I was saying, um, though, there's there's another Sibley, uh, Niara Sibley, also playing at Oregon. I'm not sure about her. Like she actually technically is eligible, I believe, but she's a redshirt junior. But she's only played one collegiate season to this point due to unfortunate injury history. So I think she's just going to stay in school. I think she should just stay in school. She's, um, in comparison to her older sister Satu, she's uh, a lot beefier and I think more of a more of a four or five than a three four. Like if you think about today's game, like Saju Sabli might be a four or five as well, right? But um, I don't think uh, Niara at this point has the versatility to extend her game beyond the perimeter. But we'll see again. And, and then maybe and that Rikia... unfortunate uh, injury history, I believe, is tearing the same ACL twice since she arrived That's on campus. Pretty unfortunate. Pretty unfortunate, if you ask me. Yeah, knees knees suck. ACLs suck. So we, I mean, I that's we hope that she can come back. That, that she can stay healthy rather, um, and contribute for Oregon this year. And then the last name I had was Rakia Jackson from Mississippi State. Like I said, I, Jessica Carter gets a lot of their attention as their as their center, but I think Jackson is honestly the better prospect. She's just a more skilled player. I think she's a 3-4 at the next level. Um, still still learning how to make plays in the pick and roll, but as a, as a play finisher, I'm pretty high on her. So like, honestly, Stephen, you could look at a lot of these, these perennial powerhouse programs and identify at least one or two future WNBA prospects because I mean the players make the program right and, and you can say like well this this player maybe maybe one to watch next year or in two years or in three years even so I think we'll have more on this in the future um anything else you wanted to get to that was uh I think a pretty good conversation yeah again obviously for the listeners um neither of us are real experts in this um and it's something you know we, we like looking at this though from a WNBA perspective because College basketball, I think, for me at least, can be a little overwhelming because there's you know so many teams and so many conferences and just not enough time in the day to watch it all, which is a good problem to have. 
But if you look at it like we do from the WNBA lens, it's, it's just kind of a, like a starting point for us. And it, it, it kind of, it's kind of a, an entry point into college basketball where we say, okay, here are the players we, we should be watching, and we can follow their development throughout their collegiate careers. And that's, that's a fun thing to do. So, um, again, I'm going to have a WNBA mock draft coming out. Uh, not sure when. Last year was a little difficult because of, like I said, the uh, extra year of NCAA eligibility due to COVID. I'm not sure if they're doing that again this season, to be honest with you. But there is a this is overall going to be a, a stronger group of players, I feel like. But again, not many star potential players. So at least two more lottery picks who have yet to really establish themselves. We don't know who they are. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I don't know. Is there anything you're going to be watching for in particular? Uh, no. I will <laughs> limit my college basketball viewing. I mean, I'll watch definitely some of these top players, whether it be in this class uh, with Howard and Smith. You know, Caitlin Clark is definitely a player who has caught my attention. Maybe I will go down to that game where she comes to Rutgers. And I think late in the season, you know, Stanford is a player with Haley Jones. Uh, uh, she won me over pretty quickly, even if she has, you know, some obvious flaws in her game. I think she's a really, really good player and uh, interested to see what she'll do at the next. So I'll be watching more this year than in years past, but it is, uh, it can be a drag. I think it's, it can be uh, a tough watch, you know, with the, the two, three defense and uh, you know, some of the lack of spacing and whatnot. Yeah, it's, it's a different game for the um, compared to the WNBA, for sure, uh, which is why I like to watch for uh, mainly prospects. But, you know, there there are obviously many, many compelling storylines every season besides just WNBA prospects, so I don't want to make it seem like we're uh, we're looking down on, on the college game or anything like that. But, yeah, I mean, this is fun, for sure, and it's it's also fun to do stuff like this before the season because we can say, okay, who, who has made that leap? Like, we talked about Jones versus Burrell. Or maybe um, Nod Selman adding something to her game. Destiny, Destiny Henderson uh, maybe adding something to her floor game to make her stand out as a prospect. That's, to me, the, mo- the, uh, the most fun part about this process is that there's still so much you don't know. And like I kept saying, there's a full year of college basketball. A lot can happen. A lot can happen. So I'm just looking forward to, to following this once again. It's, uh, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's fun work for me. All right. Well, I think that'll do it. Eric, thank you for all the work that you put in for this episode and for your draft coverage in general. You do a great job. Uh, always look thank forward you. to reading you when you put out draft pieces. And uh, thank everybody for listening to this episode who who's tuned in. Hope you enjoyed the week off without listening to the Double Down WNBA podcast. Uh, if you want to support the show, though, you can uh, subscribe, rate, and review Apple, Spotify, and Google. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Double Down WNBA, at Trinkwald for myself, at Nemchok E for Eric. And we'll be back next week. See you later and take care, everybody.